Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, we proudly bring to you out of Studio 212 in the heart of Seattle, Washington, this is Physical Culture Radio. I'm your dopest host with the most, Greg Jones, at Coach Greg Jones Instagram and Facebook, along with my super dope host, Chris Edmonds, lead Mountain Doc Diet Trainer uh, and personal trainer, Jen Omer himself. Chris, how are we doing today? Doing great, man. How are yourself? I'm doing good, man. I... Uh, you know, I have a little setback in um, my training this week. I, uh, as most of you know out there, I'm a gym owner. I strength coach. I train a lot of people. I still teach classes. And then, you know, I do my bodybuilding on the side as a hobby. And um, some weeks I will be showing lots of techniques to people that are brand spanking new, have zero experience and I kind of tend to overdo it a little bit on my body and how much I can do. So my, my left, my good shoulder, um, the one that hadn't had the recent surgery and that one's feeling like a million bucks kind of got a little dinged up. I think it's just an overuse thing, showing too many techniques, showing, you know, teaching too many people that don't have any experience with stuff. My veterans can come in and I can give them a workout. I don't have to show them anything. I just cue them. But beginning people, uh, I have to show a lot of technique over and over and over again. And uh, just got, you know, just working through a couple things with it. Um, and I know you've had some similar stuff with your training. And uh, I think that, um, you know, that's just part of kind of what you deal with in, in training of any sort, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, now listen, if, if I'm you, like, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, if you're, if you have to do a bunch of clean and press, like you're going to do it with the air. I, I, yeah. I, I don't want you doing a shitload of kettlebell yeah. clean and press. Uh, yeah. And I, and I grabbed like the thirties, 35. So I was probably yeah. you know, trying to, you know, show them, hey, this is how you do it with a little bit of weight. And I, and I and, shouldn't and, be doing and that not, shit. And not warmed up and not warmed up. Right. And no. it's cold as hell. It's the, it's the winter time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, what's really funny is, you know, you grab dumbbells or I actually had that exact same experience today. One of the, one of my few in-person clients, uh, I was showing him a technique that I wanted to do on uh, a lap pull down and I had to pin, I don't know, I think he was like right at 200 pounds uh, on pull downs and I was going to sit right down there and just jerk that bitch into place. And I looked <laughs> at him, I kind of chuckled and he said, what? And I said, let me lighten this weight because I am not even remotely warm. I said, uh, let me not injure myself. And, and he kind of laughed and he's like, that shit's light for you though, man. And I was like, yeah, but I'm not going to be stupid. So I put it on a hundred right. and, yep. uh, you know, I mean a hundred's paper. So, um, you know, it's one of those things like, yes, you can get your, let your ego like kind of take over. I, when I was younger in my training world, like I'll never forget. I was demoing a bench press for a kid and uh, you know he told me he'd go up to 225 and it just destroyed him and he's like he kind of talked some shit and I was like oh I'll bet you 225 is heavy for you and I laughed and I said okay fuck you sit down press 15 off my chest with a pause on each one and like that was probably one of the stupidest things you could have done like yeah I should have said yeah man you're right you're much stronger than me and kind of moved on (laughs) right but that's that's ego that's the ego for you right yeah. And I learned the hard way myself. It was funny. Several years ago, I was showing Turkish getups and a couple, <laughs> a couple of my, a couple of the, like the moms and the women, it was like probably about a half dozen, eight women. And it was a morning class. And they said, Oh, let's, let's see you do a Turkish getup, you know? And, and so 
I grabbed a barbell and I put 35s on. So this was seven, like 115 pounds. And I, I totally could do that weight. I did it. Um, I hurt, (coughs) excuse me. I hurt my forearm Mm. and that, that bitch was hurt. I, I heard that that forearm was hurt for like three or four months. Like I hurt like, yeah, one of the extensors in it Mm. and I did it. I did the Turkish get up and it was really cool. And everybody clapped. It's like, Oh my God, it's so cool. You can do it with one hand and it's that much weight. And then, and then I was like, I, that was the stupidest thing I've ever done. Oh yeah. I was mad at myself. <laughs> but so the topic today, guys, uh, we are talking about motivation in today's episode. And one of the things that, um, I actually made a post today, um, on coach Greg Jones, Facebook and Instagram about, motivation. It's a multi-point post about the different facets of setting goals and being motivated to goals and the difference between intrinsic and extrinsic motivation uh, when it relates to goals. And one of my points with with this topic in in being motivated is there's a self-motivating factor to having intrinsic goals. And and in other words, um, you have to, you have to be self-motivated to want to achieve goals. And I don't care whether it's business or personal, if it's a hobby, if it's a sport, um, if it's a professional sport, uh, you, you have to have an inherent motivation and that you just want to do it and you want to do it for yourself. The, the, you can't have externally or what is known as extrinsic motivations. And what that means is, is being motivated, uh, for attention, being motivated because you want likes on an Instagram post, uh, being motivated because you think, you know, you want all your friends and family to, you know, see how hard you're working. Those are extrinsic external factors to being motivated. And that does not last as far as being motivated as an athlete, um, in, in any kind of sport or profession, business, uh, et cetera, you, it it has to come from within. And I think, uh, if you take a competition recently, there was just the, uh, Arnold classic, correct? Last weekend. So in the Arnold classic, um, and, and we'll, we can run down like a couple of the competitors, some of the top people that did it. But one of the things that comes to mind for me, and I'll let you kind of recap that. One, one of the things that comes in mind to me is a couple of competitors, one by the name of Cedric McMillan, one by the name of Rolly Winkler. And I'd made a comment to you when we were talking about this show over the weekend. And these are two of the more... Uh, genetically gifted athletes. Um, Rolly Winkler is a top five perennial Mr. Olympia competitor. Cedric Millen has won the Arnold Classic before. So they they have they have what it takes to win at the top level. But when you when, when you look at these guys and when you when you know about the inner workings of coaching, and I'll have you talk about that a little bit, um, they don't always bring their best. And you you wonder if that is just a body thing, like if they have troubles peaking their body, um, or if it's, they're just super 
super genetically gifted and they don't bring it and they don't execute because they're not, they don't have that inherent motivation to train hard enough or to follow the nutrition hard enough. What's your take on that coach? And what what do you think about, um, first of all, your, your take on the first five or six in in the Arnold classic and how you relate that to, to the topic. Okay. Of course. Um, First of all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, like, what jumps off of the paper to me is how motivated Brandon Curry is to change his career, that he will leave all of his kids and his wife and go train in Kuwait for the entire contest season. Like, yeah. if that doesn't show motivation, uh, I, I could not imagine leaving my boys and wife uh, for multiple months at a time to go train in the Middle East. Now, is that gym, like, the, probably the best in the world? Yes. Uh, do they have access to the best drugs? Yes. Is all this food prepared? Yes. Um, but, you know, if any of you guys have families out there, I, I could not imagine leaving them for two separate preps that essentially would last the eternity of eight, eight months, minimally yeah. of the year, um, meaning for the Arnold. And then now, and then now he's going to begin prep in a few weeks uh, for the Olympia. That shows some serious dedication and motivation to his career, to his body, and, uh, you know, to furthering his bodybuilding realm, and I assume attacking, uh, trying to beat Sean Roden this year at the coming Olympia. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if I can talk about that for a second, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people post about, um, you know, what's that matchup going to look like and Roden's going to kill him. And what I think is interesting is those guys, uh, even though they're both shape athletes, meaning they have good X frames and a small waist, if you think about Curry's overall structure, his arms and his back are by far his strongest body parts. Those are Roden's weakest. Um, arms and back for Sean Roden are his worst. If on the flip side of that, Sean Roden's glutes, hams, and quads are by far his best, and that's Curry's weakest. So to me, if this coming six to eight months is all going to be about who can minimize, if, if it's a two-person show. Now, listen, that's saying everyone comes in shape and, you know how that goes with bodybuilding and predictions, but it's yeah. going to be whoever can get to work and fix those problems the fastest and the most efficiently. Um, from all the stuff that I've heard and guys that I know who saw Sean at the Arnold, they all said he looks really small right now, which isn't an indication of anything. Cause I feel like of all the pros, he typically looks the smallest in the off season. Right. Yeah. He um, looks small. Yeah. Yeah. Now speaking about Roley, as you touched on, you know, he had the injury on his lower leg uh, early in the year on that motorcycle accident or whatever happened. Um, and I think he just didn't have enough time to prep. I mean, if you saw those guest posings that he had two weeks ago, I mean, he looked like an all season bodybuilder. Uh, so that he, it's, it's shocking to me. Even he even made the top six after seeing that guest posing, you know, I know, all the people out of oxygen said they starve him to death uh, in order to get that last little bit of fat off. But he probably, based off of what we saw this past weekend, I would assume that he probably had another three or four weeks of that suffering to even sniff the condition he had at the Olympia um, that got him top three. Um, as far as Cedric, I think you and I have very differing views on Cedric. Um, you know, your thought is, hey, why does he never come in peeled? And, you know, I, I've, I've watched Cedric compete over the last 10 years, and when he comes in pilled, he's small. His arms right. flatten out, his legs flatten out, um, and when he comes in fuller, but at like 80 to 85% condition, 
that's what's that's what won in the Arnold what three years ago, um, and that's been his highest placings at the Olympias when he brings that package. So to me, you know, with Cedric, he has a balance of his physique because he's such a tall guy, and I think he, from memory serves right, he's in his early or early forties, late thirties. Yeah. Um, I don't know how dedicated he is to putting on more tissue uh, right. in order to you know, bring that nasty condition, but still stand with those top guys. I mean, if you look at Bonac per square inch, that dude can't probably pack on any more muscle. So if Cedric comes in shredded to the freaking bone, he's going to look like a classic physique competitor standing next to Bonac and Curry. And especially if you have uh, Roly on the other side. So it's all about that balance with him. Now, on the same time, like I've heard reports or seen videos where going to the Arnold, he'll eat hotel food leading into the show um, for that last week. I would never dream of doing that if I'm competing in the Arnold. Every single piece of food that goes in my mouth would be cooked and measured by myself. So, you know, you don't know what his motivation level is. I mean, obviously, God gave him some great gifts as far as genetics go. But, you know, I do think it's interesting to see, you know, who we deem as motivated versus unmotivated. Um, you know, I, I think I like Cedric's physique a lot, so maybe I cut him some slack when it comes to him being fully conditioned and brought in. Um, whereas you look someone like Luke Sandow, who uh, got third this past weekend in the Open, um, you know, that dude had a horrendous last year of bodybuilding. He almost died um, from supposed over-diuretic use. And then now to you know come back and, and bring probably his best package to date and finish third in a, in a pretty heavily stacked lineup as far as names go. Um, I feel like that dude, you watch him train. He lifts balls to the wall. He's very Dorian-esque. You know, I think uh, trained by JP or Jordan Peters, uh, whoever you guys know him as, um, does his training and does all his videos. And, you know, he trains with Ben Chow. And, man, those two fucking get after it like you know they're deadlifting seven and eight plates they're pressing the 200 pound dumbbells um you know he doesn't fuck around when it comes to the gym and i know like he joked that aceto had him eat cookies pre-lift the entire prep and he was pretty lean so some cool info for you guys (laughs) you know it's it's interesting you bring up um genetics and the the you know the kind of nature versus nurture and 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 I say nature versus nurture because I mean genetic set and then the work that is behind that or the nurturing of the body and the physique. Um, and when you talk about some guys that, you know, they, they had genetics or they don't have genetics, but they're the best in their fields. They're the best of all time in different sports. Uh, the, the two, uh, men that I think of, um, Number one is uh, Michael Jordan. So Michael Jordan, his sophomore year in high school, got cut from varsity, uh, was on the JV team, and didn't start till his junior year, and then kind of blossomed, you know, into getting a scholarship at UNC, uh, North Carolina, won a national championship, and went on to, you know, win seven titles and one of the most. De- and this was. Take, taking time off and going to play baseball in between because he was motivated to do something else in another sport, which a lot of these top athletes um, like Deion Sanders and Bo Jackson have done. But uh, the point is he, he didn't start off just with all the gifts and all the, you know, 
it, it was his work ethic that I think that took him from being on a JV squad his sophomore year and not making varsity to being one of the best college players in the game to being the best, you know, NBA players, arguably the, the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Then you look at someone like Tom Brady. How motivated is this guy? This was like fifth round draft pick uh, out of Michigan, ran like a 5-3-40, not genetically gifted, not strong, not fast. The, you know, the, the NFL, when when you get drafted in the fifth or sixth round, you're not even a sure thing to make the team. And he made the team. He, um, he benefited from uh, a guy by the name of Drew Bledsoe getting hurt in the playoffs and was able to step in and take the starting job from Drew Bledsoe going on to win his first championship and now has won six titles. And I don't even think anybody argues with how, you know, how definitive this guy is as the greatest quarterback ever at this point playing, I think, what is it, nine or ten Super Bowls? Has he been in nine? Nah. One six, yeah, yeah. You, you know what's what's crazy to me about Tom Brady is I don't know if you've that you've, you've done a lot of research on him. He, uh, I think the the info for him after the draft was t- lanky, not a strong arm, can't right. throw in the wind, slow as um, shit, not not fast and athletic, right. reads defenses slow, most likely can't play in the NFL. Um, <laughs> wow. Wow. um, yeah, embrace that shit. And if you look at those photos of him, like when he's standing there in those gray shorts getting measured, like he's not impressive whatsoever. No. Right. You watch him run no. that 40 and it's like, a he's, giraffe still not impressive. Just out of wall. he's still not no. impressive. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. That's just someone who refuses to say, I'm going to lose. I'm not going to get started. I mean, you know, if you listen to what he said, you know, when he was drafted, the first day of minicamp, he walked up to Robert Kraft and he said, I'm going to be your starter and I'm going to win you a Super Bowl. Mark my words. Yeah. Like that takes some big balls for a seventh round yeah. draft pick. Absolutely. When at the time he was, he was a four string on that roster. And the only reason they kept him, it was because Belichick said, man, there's something about that kid. I don't know what, I don't know why. Let's just make a spot for him and, and, and see what happens. And, you know, now, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. With that, um, a lot of professionals had to eat their words. <laughs> yeah, you know, that, I think that topic comes up over and over again. Uh, Ronnie Coleman, what was a pro for ten years and placing last, Lee Priest, oh. every, everybody was beating his ass on stage um, until he, you know, took on the right coaches and you know got on the right programming and then was able to fully realize his genetic potential with the hard work behind it and him being that motivated just to stick in the game and stick it out for into his second decade before he even started winning um, as a pro. And I, I think that's testimony to the intestinal fortitude that you have to have and kind of the take home that you should take from, from these three athletes and from a lot of athletes and then a lot of the ones that are genetically gifted, but don't work hard. There's a lot of people in the NFL that just or NBA, you know, all pro sports that they get there, they get their paycheck and then they don't want to be the best. They're not motivated to win a Super Bowl. They're fine just being an NFL player and getting a paycheck. And uh, they, they have no drive. I've known some of these athletes. I've been associated I've played with some of these athletes that have played in the NFL um won Super Bowls 
and played on different teams and been I, I you could just tell how motivated they were and then you can I've also seen the great like great athletes great running backs and I'm sure you have too and these guys want to you know drink 40s and smoke weed and and not take mm-hmm. their workouts serious and they're never going to go anywhere even though they're you know real genetically gifted it's sad that some you people know, don't you but- know- you know who I, who comes to my mind with that is Ricky Williams. Um, yeah. When yeah. I when I was a kid, Ricky Williams was an absolute freak show. I mean, when yeah, he was in Texas, Texas, yeah, yeah, he was a monster. His beginning career for the Miami Dolphins was he was insane, man. Nobody could tackle that motherfucker. And then he just woke up one day and said, "Hey, fuck it, I want to go smoke weed on a tropical island somewhere, and I don't want to do this football thing anymore." And <laughs> you know. That's someone speaking about extrinsic and intrinsic motivation. That was someone who he literally probably played football because people told him he was great at it, and he liked right. that. He liked that reward. I, I don't know what his childhood background is. You know, if, if he grew up in the ghetto or poor, but maybe that was his ticket out. You know, he right. he 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 played to get his family into a new socioeconomic status. You know, he played so he stayed out of jail. You know. It, and they obviously afforded him, you know, a free college education and boarding and housing and all that stuff. And then he got in the NFL with a big ass paycheck and, you know, he doesn't have to work anymore. So, you know, that's something interesting to think about. Um, you know, if you're speaking about motivation and comparing individuals or athletes at the top level, um, you know, we've all seen it with clients, I think, especially even if just your typical run of the mill clients, the ones that show up and are willing to work hard versus the ones that you have to drag them through a session. Um, you know, I made that post, I think it was Sunday from one of my clients where he literally DM'd me like, dude, let's make my diet harder. I want to suffer. I I need, I need to get in nasty condition. Like that, that that was inspiring to me. I saw that. Yeah. I was like, wow, that guy just inspired me. I actually got on my horse and immediately said, you know what? I'm done with this off season controlling my own (laughs) diet shit let's 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 do this and it's funny how other people can motivate you and then you can motivate other people but you got to walk your you got to walk your talk and you you got you got to do the deal you can't fake it there's no faking it in this you know what's so funny about him man uh 10 weeks ago uh he was questioning his ability to turn pro and I think finally this past weekend with his most recent update, we looked at his photos, we assessed where he's at, we looked at where his food was at and how little cardio he's doing. And yeah. he's just like, man, this thing's, I, we, we, him and I both believe in our hearts, he's going to turn pro this year. And that's motivating. Uh, that That's, you know, he's a hard worker. He If I tell him to do something, he never questions it. We had such a great season together last year. Um, he knows we're on the cusp of greatness. And he knows it's time uh, to suffer. It's time to dig our heels in. And if you notice, my response on there was changing now. Like, it wasn't, I didn't need to pat him on the back. I didn't need to say, fuck yes. I didn't need to say, this is the mindset you need. Because he knows that, and I know that. Right. All he needed, I need to come on my computer. I need to change his meal plan. I need to send it out and say, here you go. This starts tomorrow. Right. And I, so what, I don't so, think you so can teach that. Te- go ahead. Yeah, tell the listeners what what were the specifics? Was he was at 150 grams of carbs a day, and he said, "I want it lower," and he's yeah, he was, yeah. <laughs> because he yeah. wants to get. Who asked for less he, carbs? He, Who like right. not too many people 
asked to suffer <laughs> and go, just give me less carbs because we need to bring in that nasty graininess. Um, <laughs> that's that's right. unreal. It's usually the coach so going, good. guess what? This week you're getting your freaking carbs dropped. <laughs> yeah. And you know what's so funny, man, is, is normally you do that to someone and you have one or two reactions. People know that the reduction in carbs means it's going to be a change in their physique and they're excited. Or you get the other majority of people who you cut their food and they're like, oh, man. I'm going to be so freaking really... hungry. Right. How the, am I going to do this? <laughs> that's Those are the people I don't get along with. The ones yeah. that feel sorry for themselves. And I'm like, fuck you. This is a hobby. You choose to bodybuild. Right. You came to me looking to lose weight if you're an overweight person. You know, do you didn't think it was going to be hard? You thought it was going to be easy? Like, yeah. come on, bro. Like, you know, they, they, these are the two different spectrums of motivation, right? Some people, yeah. while you give it to them and they're just demotivated. They're like, hey, I'm going to do it, but I'm not going to be excited about it. And you have other people who welcome it and say, please bring on the harder diet. Bring on more cardio. Give me an extra day of weight training. Like, what can we do to get better? And, like, I, I don't think that can be taught. I, can it be acquired? Potentially. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've never, I very rarely have seen someone that goes from a weak mind to a strong mind without extreme, extreme guidance and like spending a lot of time with them. I think yeah. in my years of training, maybe two people have ever done that. For the most part, it's always been inside that person. I just need to teach them how to get it out and tap into that regularly. Right. Um, and, and listen, I always tell people I can, within one work set, I can tell what your motivation level is. Because I'm going to torture you and I'm going to see what it looks like when you face adversity. And I know within five minutes whether you're going to be someone who grits your teeth and suffer or you're going to tap out when shit gets hard. And right. huh, that, it, it's really frustrating as a coach because a lot of times the people who are genetic elite uh, tap out, at least in my experience. <laughs> right. You know, when you pair genetics with that mindset, that's when you get someone like Ronnie, someone like Dorian, someone um, like Michael Jordan. You know, very rarely do you, is it they have both. Either you have great genetics and it's always came easy to you and you, you're at the top of the game because of God-given ability and a little bit of work, or you have people who don't have genetics and they work their tails off and they're motivated for whatever reason, whether that be, you know, personal reward or money or fame or success, or they just love that sport or endeavor or business or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, it, it's really interesting to me, you know, that the two, the two different levels there, um, because, you know, we all, I think, have people who we look up to and idolize and then you maybe meet them in person or you kind of see behind the closed door what they're truly like outside of this Instagram world. And you're like, man, I'm really let down. That person isn't what they portray. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, it's it's sad. It's 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 frustrating. But, you know, in, in terms of just like straight motivation, I always tell people like. You either have it or you don't. You know, when my alarm goes off at 4.30 during a contest prep to do my cardio, I don't hit snooze. I jump out of the fucking bed. I rub my vaso burn on my stomach. I pound the pills I'm going to take, which is typically caffeine, uh, Yohimi, taurine. And my ass is driving to the gym to get on the Stairmaster. I'm going downstairs in my basement to get on the bike or the uh, treadmill. And I don't complain. I don't feel sorry for myself. I don't groan and moan. I choose this shit. And... Right. That's what has to happen if I want to get better. I, and it's really hard. go ahead. 
No, no question. I think for most people too, even if, you know, if you're out there listening and you're going, well, you know, I'm not going to step on stage or you do want to step on stage. Or if you're like, okay, I want to be motivated and I want to get in shape. How am I going to do so? What am I going to, what's going to motivate me above and beyond just getting in shape for us? It's contests. So we do contests and we do local shows, regional shows. We try to do national shows and then, you know, pro shows eventually is kind of the goal. Um, but I think for most people, it doesn't matter what you pick, pick something like pick, pick a summer vacation, pick a Spartan race, pick a tough mutter, pick something to do with your friends or some vacation or some, a wedding. I, mean, I got a lot of people coming to me lately. Like these people are motivated because they have a wedding coming up in four to six months. I just got done posting about a guy, East Indian guy who just left. He's getting married uh, March 13th in India, very traditional cultural wedding um, with this, like a real extended thing. And he wanted to look better and he came to me over 210 pounds. He lost 20 pounds last three or four months. He just took off to get uh, married and this big celebration. He wanted to look good for his wife. He wanted to look good for his family. That is intrinsic motivation because he wanted to do it for himself primarily and then also for his family. So, it, you know, it, it, it doesn't need to be just there, there can be a combination of intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. You just can't have solely extrinsic as your only reason for getting better. But I, I think we need to talk about, you know, above and beyond doing shows and getting a nasty, grainy condition, which most people, let's face it, most people aren't going to get to 3% body fat and do this extreme shit like we do. A lot of our listeners are. They want to do that. They want to, you know, gain umpteen pounds of uh, lean body mass and get nasty conditioning. A lot of people out there just want to get in better shape. How do you do so? What are the steps you take? So he, he, here's what I want to want to touch on really fast. Like, yeah. and it ties this all together. No matter what I did, whether it's bodybuilding or a, pick another sport, I'm not necessarily addicted to getting to 3% body fat. I'm addicted right. to results. Yeah. Um, I like seeing progress no matter what I'm doing. If I was selling personal training, I wanted to see that number grow. If um, I was doing a bodybuilding type training style, I want to see the muscles that I'm working on get bigger and better. Um, and I think that's what people have to fall in love with is that result. So if it is getting ready for a wedding, you need to set a tangible goal for yourself. The problem is most people come to us and say what you just said. I want to get in shape. It's very arbitrary. What does get in shape mean? Right. You know, you know, you see all these people that say, oh, I'm I'm into fitness or thick fit or any of this stupid shit. Right. I just want to be fit. What does fit mean? Because when people see us in posing trunks, they assume we're in great fitness shape. Well, guess what? We aren't. When, when we're on a show day, it's on our deathbed. We feel like shit. We don't have any water in our system. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, think about that. You know, the people who run those Spartan races and stuff or marathons or, you know, do CrossFit, those people are probably in the best fitness shape. Um, but those people don't always look the, the most, what we view in America as classically fit. Right. Um, so what I would challenge you to do is you need to find a goal and you need to start establishing 
hard, tangible results. So if you want to lose weight, how much weight do you want to lose? What body fat percentage do you want to get down to? Or, you know, a lot of times I'll have people that don't know those answers and I'll say, okay, cool. Like, do you know someone who's famous who you'd like your physique to look like? Did you want to look like Thor? Do you want to look like Aquaman? Do you want to look like a, you know, a sports athlete, an actor? Like, is there someone that you can start striving to, to where you can start putting your week to week photos beside to see if we're inching closer to that? Right. Then once you establish that hard long-term and short-term goal, we need to set tangible action items for you to do and accomplish each week to know if we're working towards that or not. So, you know, let's say that's five meals a day and five cardio sessions a day and four weight training sessions a, a week. Um, so think about those action items. That's five meals, five cardio, up. that's 14 action items to do each week. If you do those week in, week out, and you grade yourself on those hard, tangible things, guess what? We can start seeing progress. So if you're repeatedly nailing 14 out of 14 action items, I can promise you do that for a month and things are going to start adding up. Well, as you get in better shape, those things might have to increase. The frequency, the duration, the training per session or per week might have to increase. So that's what I encourage my clients personally, and then any anyone who's out there who's just saying, "Hey, I, I have this goal. I don't even know remotely how to attack it." Just start start by making a plan, and if you don't have that ability to do so, you need to get on the internet or Facebook or Instagram and start looking up people who are professionals in that field. And yeah. the step one with that is I want to see hard results that cl- that trainer or nutritionist has. Like if their Instagram isn't filled with client before and afters that you can just scroll through and see, um, I- I'm not probably going to respect them uh, for the yeah. most part. I'm not saying that's true with everyone because some people are more like hush hush about their progress. But, you know, if I'm going to reach out to a coach, can I say, hey, um, here's my current situation. Do you have anybody in your past who's achieved results starting out somewhere similar that I have? If right. they can't send you a handful of uh, before and afters or client success stories, then you probably want to find someone else with some more experience. Um, yeah. I'm not saying you have to choose Greg or I, but you know, if you are going to say, as you mentioned earlier, you know, let's say do a marathon. If you're going to reach out to a running coach, what, what, what kind of progress have they helped people with not just their own, you know, so many people sign up for online trainers because them, them, they themselves have had incredible results. Well, guess what you think Michael Jordan and the way he knows to shoot a basketball is going to be similar to he can say, Hey, you know, he averaged so much shooting percentage in the NBA and so many scoring titles. You think he can teach me to play basketball like him? I can't jump like that. <laughs> he yeah. may not always be the best you know, the master in that field may not always be the person who can teach it to you the best. Like, yeah, they're typically not. A, they're typically not. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, you think about, you know, I'm going to use this as an example from the Arnold. So Flex, Flex Wheeler coached um, one of the classic guys. He wasn't even sniffing contest condition, man. Right. Um, and one of my buddies reached out and said, man, Flex Wheeler shouldn't ever coach somebody again. And I said, listen, that may be one of the best genetically gifted bodybuilder of all time you think he knows how to get people in shape like that's a legit question like right right is he the best person to coach someone and the answer it may be yes but nine times a ten i'm gonna say probably not um so just some food for thought yeah And, and they've talked about the best basketball players and football players and the ones that make the best coaches are the ones that struggled a little bit in their careers or yeah. weren't even really top athletes. They were like marginal athletes, 
and yeah. that and their struggles may turn them into better coaching and coaches. Um, yep. Because they they understood the mechanisms that you need to get better. Whereas a top athlete doesn't ever really struggle that much. And, you know, Michael Jordan can't teach what he did in game six or game seven of a finals, you know, just, you know, absolutely doing a crossover and leaving somebody in their dust and sinking a 28 footer. Um, you can't, you can't teach that per se, but the fundamentals you take like a basketball coach, um, like, uh, uh, Nate McMillan or, uh, a, a Phil Jackson or a red Auerbach yep. or, you know, any of these Pat Riley, Pat Riley was a good player. Um, he wasn't like a, one of the best of his time. Uh, but they, but they make awesome coaches. Um, and they know how to, right. they know that they know. How, and a lot of it's motivation, right? Vince Lombardi yep. was a, was a very marginal football player. He played college. You know, he was undersized, little short, stumpy thing. You know, Henri is all get out, but um, he wasn't much of a player. And then, you know, arguably one of the best coaches of all time. Now, did Belichick even play football? <laughs> I, I don't even know. I, I don't. I, can't I don't that. know if he did. <laughs> I don't know if he did. Right. So, you know, t- take that into consideration, guys. Um, pick something. Uh, figure out what motivates you. Um, pick an event pick something to get somebody to help you and then just take the, take the steps that you need to do the daily weekly and monthly steps, the accountability behind it, holding yourself accountable and having somebody else help you with accountability. Um, because to be honest, I could not have won a state championship and I, I would not even be able to come close to a pro show if I didn't have coach Chris, and John Meadows overseeing what I do, um, I wouldn't be able to do it on my own. Just to be quite honest, I couldn't. You're, you're not objective enough to do this shit on your own. You 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 you're too subjective doing it yourself. Trying to and even getting in the best shape possible. You may think you're eating right, and I thought I was eating right lately. And then I wrote everything down and and gave it to Coach Chris and said, "This is what I'm eating." And he's like, well, you're probably <laughs> inflamed as all hell. And this is how many <laughs> calories you're actually getting in. It's like, okay, well, no wonder I, my pictures look like shit right now. And I, and then, and then I reached out and said, this is it. Like I'm feeling healthier. Let's do it. Let's, let's make this push now. <laughs> yeah. And at some point yeah. you got to take that step uh, and, 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 and choose somebody and have somebody help you and just plan everything out, you know? You, you know, the, I think the last thing we can kind of touch on here and then call it a day is I sent you that Rocky video between Rocky and Adrian on the beach uh, <laughs> on, of Rocky 3, right? Yeah. Um, where she's like breaking him down on the beach of what's wrong with him. And she just keeps saying, why? Like, tell me the truth, damn it. What's going on with you? And that's something that I find with a, a lot of failing clients that I have. Now, listen, I say a lot. Um, in the grand scheme of life, I'm very fortunate. I do not have a lot of clients that fail. I have clients that fail from time to time. And what that means is they fall off of that path of why they came to me right. and why they invest in our service. And, uh, you know, stereotypically you find that at, after the end of a contest prep when they have nothing to really train for anymore, 
or when they're transitioning from reverse diet to an off-season meal plan, or they have a tragedy in their life, whether it be a divorce or, you know, let's say they're, uh, they lose their job or they lose their why. They, learn, they lose that love they had for the gym or the love they had for whatever goal they were trying to attack. And that's one of the questions I always ask is I always say, you know, what's your why? And I don't want some bullshit, stupid answer like, oh, well, I need to lose fat because my doctor told me to. Right. Like, that's bullshit. I, I'm not going to do what, do that because a doctor told me to. I'm going to lose fat because I want to see my kids grow up and I want to watch them, you know, hopefully play college sports and I want to watch them get married. That That's a hard answer. And I'm afraid I'm going to die before that. Or I, I want to be able to be on a football field and throw balls to them and run routes and, you know, play defensive back against them uh, in our backyard. Like, that that's real that's real shit you know I, I don't want my to get undressed or walk out of the shower and my wife look at me and be like oh god that fucker's fat as shit um those are real answers <laughs> those are those are nitty-gritty like i don't want my wife to even think about cheating on me or leaving me because i've let myself go like those are those are real answers those yeah. aren't oh i just want to get 20 pounds off no why damn it why do you right. want to lose that weight why do you right. want to run a spartan race why do you want to do a bodybuilding show and you know those are the questions. And, you know, I've had clients come back to me and say, well, you know, what's your why? What's so powerful? And I was like, listen, I looked myself in the mirror at 19 and I said, damn it, I'm tired of being fucking skinny and I'm not going to give up until I'm so big and nasty and it scares people. And that's why I keep bodybuilding. That's why I eat all my fucking meals. That's why I train until I can't stand up or look or see straight. Like, have that conversation with yourself. Write those feelings down in a notebook or a journal on your iPhone. I don't give a fuck. But have those conversations and, and reread that when you're having a struggling moment or a struggling time or when you're considering skipping a meal and going to sleep or when you're considering eating a Hershey bar instead of chicken and rice. Like, look at the, look at those notes. Reread those. And I promise you, if those, if those reasons are strong enough, it will rededicate you and re-motivate you to achieving whatever that may be. Right. Guys, for Chris Edmonds, I'm Greg Jones. Thanks a lot for listening to another episode of Physical Culture Radio.